bienvenidos a Sociedad Gamer. Este es un podcast en donde hablamos de todo acerca de videojuegos. Pero pues hoy tenemos un episodio un episodio súper, súper especial con dos invitados estrella. Eh, pues aquí estoy yo. Mi nombre es Juan Carlos Vargas. Yo soy Luis Montaña. Y tenemos a dos personas. Eh, el episodio lo vamos a hacer en inglés porque aunque una de ellas habla español, la otra habla en inglés eh, y en mandarín. Entonces vamos a hacer un episodio en inglés como hicimos hace un par de semanas. Entonces, pues, bueno, arranquemos entonces. Hi, uh, Lee Yi and hi, JP. Um, if you want to, like, introduce a bit yourselves, like, uh, where are you from, what are you doing right now, and what do you work? Uh, and then we can we begin with the episode. Uh, the theme of this episode is, as I mentioned before, educational games. Uh, but, uh, like, in general, I was talking before with JP and I was telling him, like, um, he... He's not uh, like an expert on educational games, but he, he is an expert on education as a whole. So I think we can, like, just let's talk about education as a whole. And I think we can uh, bring your expertise, uh, particularly in education, uh, focused on games, to the conversation. So if you want both of you to introduce yourselves. Sure. Uh, JP, do you want to go first? Uh, sure, <laughs> I, can, I can jump on it. Uh, um, JP, Juan Pablo Vasquez, uh, and I'm a teacher. I teach... Currently, I'm teaching middle school uh, history, uh, but I've taught all sorts of things in the past. I've been in education for about 10 years already, so uh, I've had a pretty, I'd say, like diverse uh, experience within education. But currently, I'm in Washington, D.C., working with uh, teenagers. That is always uh, a magical thing. <laughs> I think it's yeah, for it, sure. It, it has to be hard, I, th I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm Le Yi. Uh, I'm from Singapore and I'm actually a ed tech startup. Um, so currently my startup is called Orthodot and we make educational games for kids 7 to 12 years old, um, mainly on Roblox. So how I got to start um, is actually that education has always been something that I feel really passionate about. So when I was in secondary school, I really, really uh, wanted to Um, inspire my friends to like physics because I really like physics as well. So um, one day I actually, uh, my teacher, he called in sick and I actually went up to my class and said, hi guys, like I'm your relief teacher. <laughs> and I started to go through um, the exam papers together with them. Uh, and surprisingly, they listened to me. So I think they were very encouraging and uh, that really started my passion to really want to do something about it. So I'm glad that, yeah, like I'm here trying to solve um, this huge education problem and I'm excited uh, for what's to come in this one hour. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, are you, uh, you're not an educator as a whole, right? You're an engineer. Yeah, uh, so I graduated from university, stu uh, studied computer science um, and right out of university, my friends were all looking for full-time jobs, earning pretty good money. Um, and there I was running my own startup, yeah. But it's it's great. I, I think it's kind of like um, it's it's in, unusual uh, to see an engineer getting into the field of education. Like uh, mostly here, at least in the Western Hemisphere, uh, at least we see that engineers. I have a, a cousin as a great example, JP. You mm -hmm. know, Daniel. Absolutely. Um, that they are like really bright engineers. But they're not great in the other side, which is more associated like with um, writing maybe or communication skills. Uh, I read some of your blogs, uh, Lee, 
yeah uh some of your blog posts i think i thought they were great like it it was great writing Thank so you. i think it's a bit unusual for an engineer to to get into the educational field but i think that's it's like it's great so could you tell us a bit more about that startup you mentioned earlier uh i think it's it's called uh oh. auto auto dot o-t-t-o auto dot so it's kind yeah, of inspired auto-dot? by like transformers you know the autobots hey <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah the autobots yeah. Right? so like <laughs> I mean, we couldn't find a domain name for that, so Autodot was already available. So okay. that's how Autodot came about. Yeah. But could you tell us a bit, like how how you got, um, like started in 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 the in the cre- in the creation of a of a startup that is focused on education and how, like, because education is a really 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 broad field. Yeah. Uh, s- how would you say maybe? you got into education through video games particularly like it's really specific and it's a uh, i think a field that hasn't been studied enough um but we're yeah we're gonna talk about it in the episode i think education and video games and both of them like uh joined together is something that people are not particularly talking about as they think as i think they should be like it's a really big field that is in my opinion full of potential Yeah, uh, I think you're, you're right. Um, so at the beginning when I started two and a half years ago with my roommate, uh, my university roommate, so we actually didn't start off with video games. So we started with like making hands-on mission boxes to learn science. So how it worked is like there are five missions and you have to kind of save Iron Man. Um, there was a storyline that they will watch. Uh, and they as they kind of completed missions, science experiments, uh, they will actually move on to the next mission and unlock the next uh, snippet of the show and and overall you know the boss mission is about like saving Iron Man so the kids really really like that um, but the parents didn't see how that would actually help uh, in their learning so so I think to parents mm-hmm. what they are used to is seeing their kids doing assignment assignments doing exam papers etc <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not sure if JP you relate to that absolutely um, but Yeah, so so it's what they are familiar with. And uh, we had a hard time convincing parents that this is something that would work. So I think we went through this whole process of iterating and iterating. We went from like mission boxes to running our own classes uh, to kind of developing a social learning platform from scratch. Um, but that never really inspired kids to learn. Uh, essentially why me and my co-founder Wong Lee wanted to do this was really because we re- believed that learning should be fun. Um, and that kids can love learning uh, if taught in a manner that excites them. So, so one day we actually uh, chanced upon this idea uh, where we took a lot of content, we turned it into like a science quest. So there was a storyline where we said like, oh, okay, uh, it's year 2030 and all the adults have been uh, infected with a virus. So that was actually <laughs> during COVID. Um, so is it like they're infected with a virus and he's left with kids to run the world. So, um, and that the, your job is actually to run a science lab. And so then through that, you have to kind of pick up science experiments you need to do. So, so we realized that the concept of um, kind of throttling content um, with an overarching storyline, uh, as well as like having some form of XP and stuff, got them really excited. Um, we had a WhatsApp group. They were actually rushing us to kind of like push more stuff. Uh, and we felt like that really was what we were trying to achieve all along. So um, from there, right, we kind of explored the concept of educational games. 
so it's interesting because we never ever thought of like starting from educational games. We kind of slowly iterated and uh, chanced upon it. So from then, uh, we spent really six months trying to investigate what about games actually drives motivation to learn. Because it's quite counterintuitive. A lot of people think that games and education never mix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you go to school to learn, you go home to play games, but you won't want yeah. to like mix learning and games together. So mm -hmm. actually, when I ask people, like, do you think learning can be fun? Like, can games actually inspire learning? People don't believe that it's possible. Uh. They see it as two separate entities. But actually, mm -hmm. upon further investigation, we actually realized that a core part of games is um, problem solving, and it's about solving challenges. And that itself is learning. It's just not in the form of what we are usually used to, which is like writing, doing tests, mm -hmm. doing exam papers. So um, that is something that really drives us to believe that uh, essentially if you can harness the power of games, you can actually really inspire kids to learn because they learn with meaning and they learn with purpose. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is hard to achieve uh, in a classroom when you have 40 kids and uh, one teacher. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough like, for a teacher. Like, I really admire teachers who go through uh, uh, lessons, you know, one hour, uh, one, one, one whole year. <laughs> it, it's, it's tough. Like, good rain yeah. or shine, you have to be there for them. So, so I think, um, but it is very tough. Uh, and hopefully, I believe that games can actually provide freedom where, where they learn in a controlled environment. Um, and yeah, they see meaning in whatever they're doing. So they want to pick things up. Yeah, you said something very interesting there, which is uh, when you made um, like educational games uh, and uh, an emphasis on education more in the game, uh, the children did not like the game as a whole. Uh, and we were talking a, a couple of episodes back with Luis, uh, we recorded an episode when we talked about how games in Colombia, or educational games in Colombia uh, specifically, Uh, they are not fun. Like they are not. Uh, like you know, it's an educational game. You um, immediately know that it's a game that it's trying to teach you something, and that is like really off-putting to many people because it's uh, it's not. So, it, you see it as a chore. You don't see it as a game. And I think it's really important to to find the balance between, as you said, gaming, like uh, the fun of gaming, but also that th that game can leave you um, educational. Uh, I don't know, like a, a learning after the, after the game, and it's uh, coincidentally I read an article a couple of days ago. Uh, I, I don't remember what magazine it was. It was like PC Pro magazine or something from the UK, but they talked about how, for example, um, when you game without knowing, uh, there are many games that I can uh, bring to, uh, to uh, as an example. But when you are gaming in in, in many games without realizing you're learning something. Uh, and for example, uh, Luis, you can uh, barge in with other examples, but for example, I, I talked about um, Age of Empires with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, I was, when I was little, I played a lot of Age of Empires, and that's not a, a game that tries to be educational as a whole. That it's not like an educational game, it's a game, but uh, people can learn a lot from, from Age of Empires, right? Uh, there's also one of my favorites, which is uh, uh, The Oregon Trail. I don't know if you know it. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's that's yeah, that's a game, uh, a US game which talks about the Oregon uh, Trail, yeah, and it's a game. It's really fun. Uh, I remember playing it like a lot of hours with my with my cousins and friends when I was little, uh, and we'd spend like the entire night uh, playing the Oregon Trail, and it's a game, but you learn a ton about the Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to find a balance between what a game is and how it can 
like uh, teach kids something, right? Without becoming something that they will see as an educational game. I, I don't know if I make myself understand and I don't know what you think about that, both of you, JP and, and Lee. So if I'm allowed to uh, interject here, I think mm -hmm. I would echo that sentiment of like educational games, at least in this part of the world, tend to be very one-dimensional where the kids are just like, it's a very like fill in the blanks type of mm -hmm. type of game and and you know you get some yeah. sort of like star that that doesn't really like add anything to your educational experience as much as it like it's just like okay I got a star and I can't do nothing with it uh, so I would like resonate with, with that sentiment but the Oregon Trail and like I was thinking about this uh the other day when Juan Carlos mentioned the podcast to me I was thinking about it I'm like I feel like there is a lot of potential to use not only educational games but to make games unsuspectedly more educational mm -hmm, like yeah. the Oregon Trail uh if you think about maybe like a more recent uh example can be Assassin's Creed there's like mm -hmm. as a history teacher I'm like mm -hmm. yo there's there's a lot of history going mm -hmm. on in there and kids mm -hmm. are learning it without even noticing of course Age of Empires also adds on to that uh but I feel like there's not enough of that right yeah uh mm -hmm. and perhaps uh You know, educational games are, 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 are doing that and like we can kind of circle back to that in a minute. But I think thinking of gaming as a as a general and as someone that enjoys video games without being like a gamer, uh, I think there's a lot of potential to to bring that overlap of education and gaming together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but but, but at, at the same time, it's really difficult. Like as Lee was saying, like uh, when 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 like people see video games as something completely opposite of education because as she said you you go to school to learn and then you go to your house to play games for example and i know like yeah if you bring the the big players like yeah fortnite yeah it's it's difficult to 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 say to someone hey you're, you're going to learn something from fortnite yeah but i think as as you said jp there are a ton of games that that bring a lot to the table uh and As you said, also, there's a lot of potential to explore how gaming can incide in education, especially because we're in a, in a, in a, in a, in a year where like COVID has made education digital. And um, people, people think, I think that also happens with games, but that like, like they think they can uh, take what is on paper, for example. Yeah, like a, Uh, a lesson, for example, on paper and transfer it to a game. So as you said, JP, uh, they win a star. Why not win a challenge? Why not uh, upgrade their their uh, their gaming character? No, they win a star because the star is what you get when there's a paper, like a physical paper, and that's what you get when you complete an exam, for example. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of potential, uh, but I think there has been a, a big strides in this area as a whole. Um, for example, it comes to my mind uh, the game uh, Kerbal Space Program, which is definitely a game and it's really hard because you, you have to learn physics and they use this in schools so that people learn physics and it's really hard. Like you have to go to the moon, you have to build a rocket and if you don't, if you don't understand physics, you're not going to make it. But the game, um, it, 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 it does a, a really good job in teaching you the, the, the basics of physics and then you, you 
get to the moon on a rocket and that's the star like you you successfully completed the challenge yeah i i actually want to uh add on i feel like actually the process of educational games um while it could it we all believe in its potential the process of creating one is really very tough um and i think that the difficulty lies in that creating games itself is tough enough like it is a very competitive yeah. method Uh, it's mm-hmm. huge and there's a lot of talented people um, and even they might be very talented, they might not make it. So I mean, that's the reality of the industry mm-hmm. because it's so competitive. And so then when we add a layer of education uh, onto it, it makes it even more complicated because I think in the process of creating games, as much as yeah. it is a science, it is also an art. Um, and that to integrate kind of like education Uh, like, like maybe physics um, into like, let's say, a, a game, it, it requires a kind of like a seamless experience that comes from within mm-hmm. um, the, the creator. Uh, and, and I think that itself is very, very demanding. So, so I think that is also why uh, a possibility as to why like this educational game uh, experience that's available out there isn't as amazing as what uh, we want or imagine it to be. Yeah, it's really very taxing um, on that. But I, I really feel like it is possible. We have we have people creating uh, shows like Queen's Gambit that inspired people to... Mm, yeah. yeah, like like go like, go read up on like chess. chess. Apparently, the, mm-hmm. the lessons uh, for chess actually spiked uh, after Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the whole history, like people have never been so into chess. So I think if we can create Uh, masterpieces like that. I, I mean, I feel like I would really want to encourage people who believe that um, in educational games to, to try out because I think it's a very meaningful thing to inspire uh, individuals to, to really love uh, learning and pursue um, the passion of curiosity um, and finding knowledge uh, as something that is enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would echo, <laughs> echo that uh, deeply. I think uh, it's definitely tough. Like, I'm not, I'm not game developer but i i do uh i am aware like the challenges it brings and you know as a i've taught like uh language languages in the past i've taught english and spanish in the past and currently i'm teaching history and when i think about like all right so how a game like a like an open world game or like something where kids can be like building up their characters and all this stuff in that focuses on history or that focuses on languages is really like, I don't see a way to it. Right. I don't like, it seems very, because the topic mm-hmm. itself is itself is very like, all right, this is how you properly uh, formulate a sentence. Right. So how do you, how do you teach how to properly formulate a sentence in a game that is having kids build up their characters and face bosses and, and all these things. So, uh, You know, there is potential, and I think that's, you know, the common common thread among all of us. Uh, but I do I do see the challenges. And, and, you know, I think particularly now with the war that we're at and, like, how digital it is. And I wish that I could be, like, I was very, I was very, like, if you asked me a year ago, it's like, how do you feel about, like, technology in your classroom? And I'm like, no, bro. Like, we have a whiteboard, and we're going to take notes. <laughs> And we're going to, without being like boring, because I was like, you know, we're going to set up the classroom in a way that where everyone is moving yeah. and we're all doing stuff. So very engaging, but at the same time, it's like very rudimentary or like very like down, like the basics. Right. 
And now, because of, of the state that we're at, I'm like, all right, so I wish I had a game where I could just, like, tell you, all right, today your goal is to, like, get to the seventh boss and mm-hmm. write a reflection around that and tell me what did you learn or something along those lines, which would take off a lot of weight from my back and also would get the kids a lot more invested. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's really difficult to... to like in general, even if you're in a physical space with kids, it's really difficult to get them engaged and get them paying attention. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's a ton more difficult to make kids pay attention when they're looking at a screen because it's very much uh, like it's not as personal as before, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think to, to uh, echo on the managing of experience in a classroom, um, so so I, I was reading this book um, by Jesse Shell, The Art of Game Design, uh, and he mentioned that like in games, right, there is no way you can ensure that everyone experiences the same thing, unlike in yeah. a movie. Yeah, you can control because things happen in a linear sequence, whereas in a game, you can't tell the player like, okay, you can only do this, um, you can only do that. So then as a result, I think the there is uncertainty uh, on the other end, which is the teacher, to know what exactly the kids are doing and whether they are kind of like on the track that you want them to be in. Uh, it, I guess in a classroom, you can still observe like their facial expressions, what they're doing. But in a digital world, it's uh, much harder. Um, but I think also that creates a huge potential as well because in a way, every kid gets a chance to take control of their own learning. Um, whereas in a classroom, it's yeah, it's so, it's so hard. Like I think it's really taxing on the teacher. So you, you can't go to every single student and ask like, what are you doing now? Like, what are you doing now? <laughs> like, there's always give and take. Um, so I, I think that really is the beauty of digital world. Um, but of course, again, ensuring that everyone has an experience that is good, um, that is tough. You must <laughs> make sure that you account for all the different possibilities of what the player will do. And again, that adds another layer of complexity uh, to the development of the game as well. Yeah. I, th- I uh if, if I'm allowed like I think to that to that is like a it's finding that balance yeah I think that that's yeah. like that's like the biggest thing where yeah. it's not it's not just the teacher doing all the work and it's not also having mm-hmm. the kids doing all the work because as much as we are going to enjoy games like there's kids that might not be invested in the game and they yeah. actually want to sit down and 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 you know like look at the board and run around the classroom and you know complete mm-hmm. the tasks or whatever yeah. Uh, so it's finding that balance of like, all right, today we're going to use this, but tomorrow I'm going to make sure through the activity that I set up tomorrow that I'm checking for understanding with whatever the game had in place. And if that understanding is not there, I can like reinforce it. So yeah. it's, it's finding that balance and, you know, it's it's definitely hard. Uh, but yeah. Um, Lee, I've got a question for you. Um like uh, off topic well not off topic as per se but were you or are you do you consider yourself like a gamer um mm. like do you like playing games as as a general as in general yeah so uh, i feel like i'm not a hardcore gamer so when i was young uh, i loved the sims so every holiday i would just hide in my room and play for 12 to 16 hours <laughs> it was to the extent where i would google for like Okay, so I think a lot of my friends, if they play Sims, right, they will like it because it's a simulation game. But for me, right, it was about creation so and, and building. So I would actually go 
online and look for interior designs and architectural uh, kind of maps mm-hmm. and try to replicate oh, wow. it in the game itself. And that actually was super satisfying. Uh, I'm pretty sad uh, like I lost all my progress because they, they will go from like Sims 2 to Sims 3 and I'm like, no, <laughs> Sims 2, like, it's not popular anymore. Yeah, so, so um, then Sims was my life actually when I was young. Uh, like I dabbled into like new pets and stuff as well. Then afterwards, uh, I think school got really busy. I didn't really have much time. Um, but afterwards, I think I discovered games like uh, Rules of Survival. I, I think that push was because I really wanted to play with my friends. Like last time you go to the playground and play with your friends, but like, I don't know, as adults, you will go like, hey, why go to the playground? <laughs> it's a bit weird, right? <laughs> I'll play like uh, ROS. Um, and uh, I really love Mobile Legends. So if anyone wants to play Mobile Legends with me, please. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I like the idea of working as a team and uh, kind of riding through the highs and lows. And I learned a lot about it. Like uh, it's about kind of like managing team expectations, strategy and stuff. Uh, and I've recently also been into uh, City Skylines. So that, Oh yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, it's a great game. Like it was to the extent when I, I was like in a car, right? I'll observe the the roads and I'll be like, oh, this is why like you don't put intersections near each other. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in a jam. Like this is how it feels like to live in my city. So I, I will avoid it. So um uh and I think my parents got pretty worried because they were like, uh, you're running a startup, okay? So you better not like play so much. Like for the first time in my whole like 26 years of my life, they had to control me playing a game. So it was. <laughs> It was, it was insane, yeah, but, but I, I kind of uh, cut myself off of the game because I got a bit too addicted, yeah, so I, I, I'm not hardcore, like, gamer, but, but I do like games, like, I think it's okay, okay. stimulating, it satisfies, like, the creativity, like, outburst yeah. that I, I need but sometimes. You you bring a very valid point now that I think about it, and JP was talking about it too, and it's, like, for example, for you, in particular, The Sims was not about uh, maybe uh, designing a house or um, uh, designing a 3D space. For you, it was interior design. Yeah, you search for interior designs. So if we see The Sims as an example of a game that it might be educational, we can see that The Sims is for some people uh, might learn uh, with The Sims about uh, 3D spaces and mm-hmm. designing 3D spaces. But for other people, uh, they might learn about uh, interior design and they might learn about uh, how interior design works and how it doesn't work so it's it's as JP was telling it's it's really hard in a game to find that balance also uh, of how a game can be uh, educational in the same way for everybody because th- that's really hard yeah. and I know with Luis we talked about it this in a yeah. couple of episodes back but there's a game uh, Luis uh, the one with the Eskimos yeah never yeah. alone yeah never alone it's a really short game it's made by uh, you, you're gonna have to correct me because I, I, I'm, uh, my memory is a bit spotty on the game right now. But it's a game made, I think, by, by students uh, where they tell a story about a, an Eskimo, I think, uh, person, and they through the game they teach you about uh, like the Eskimo way of not the way of life, like the the stories and the yeah, myths and that, the yeah. mythology. Oh, behind. wow. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it it might be we, we discussed with with, uh, with Luis this, but it might not be the most uh, deep game of all. It might teach you like really basic stuff and really uh, like uh, uh, yeah, like 
only of the surface kind of thing stuff, yeah? But even so, it's something that you can use in an educational aspect to teach somebody, even in a beginning uh, type of way, about this these uh, topics, right? Uh, and it's a more straightforward forward way to teach it because it's a game which is straightforward. Like there's no other option, just uh, to progress forward. Like you, like it's like a 2D Mario game. There's no way backwards. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go to the end. Um, but uh, there's a question that, that comes to mind when I'm talking about games and about education uh, for both of you. Why do you think kids are so reluctant to learn? I think you you, you um, talked about this in, uh, in one of your articles, but why do you think kids are so reluctant to learn but are so willing to game? Okay, so I think it's complex it's it's a multitude of things um i think quite often we hear when we talk to kids we ask them like how school um there's this boy uh he told me yeah i i'm gonna quit school after primary school (laughs) so i just don't see why i'm learning science or math like what's the point i already know english uh which is good enough so so i think to them uh they don't understand why they're put in schools to learn certain topics to them, it's not relevant. Uh, they don't see how it benefits them. And so then I think there is not much meaning in the learning um, that that they have in school. Um, and at the same time, I feel like also um, through... Okay, so I, I, I think I speak for a Singap- as, from a Singapore perspective because I, I think every education is different. I, I would say that Singapore, it is a pretty competitive environment um, because we are small um, and that... They, they, we always say like human, human, uh, humans are our only natural resource. So, so then as a result, the rigor of the curriculum is pretty tough. And I would say that as a result, um, you, like for example, if you were to fail a test, it, it feels like forever. Like I, can, I cannot do anything uh-huh. to change the grade. Whereas in a game, yeah. I can just keep trying until I pass, right? And failing just never feels as permanent, as uh, solidified. Or as part of my identity, like, hey, what do you get for your grades, you know, then you're like, oh, I got F, and, and you feel like, oh, like, like, why are my friends, they're all getting A's, and I feel, I feel like shit, you know. So, so um, uh, I, I think it's a multitude of that, um, but, but in a way, the scoring system is pretty demoralizing, um, and, and I think the whole culture of, like, failing is bad also adds up to it. So, so then, in an education system, kids don't feel motivated to learn and in fact they feel afraid uh, to fail yeah. whereas yeah, yeah uh, whereas in games there's no such thing like even if you fail you fail you just try again right mm-hmm. so, so yeah. I, and I think we are always rewarded in games um, for the hard work that we put in and games also are able to channel the right challenges to the right skill level um, which brings us in a flow state so so that's like Mihaly's uh, book right like uh, on flow so, so I think games do that very well. But again, in school, it's very tough because each kid has a different progress level. You can't expect a teacher to cater like uh, 40 different levels to every single kid at every single point in time. So, so games are automated. Games are digital. That's why they can do that. And I think as a result, the whole experience of games make us feel very good. And we escape into games. We escape from reality. Um, um, and education learning is a reality uh, that doesn't make us make everyone feel as good 
Yeah. So I think that's why kids might not feel as motivated to learn. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think I would agree with, uh, you know, there's, it's hard to pinpoint or single out one specific cause. There's multiple and it does change from like place to place. I, in my experience in the United States, I think uh, what I've seen uh, one is there's no real push to get students invested in education. There's no real push to, to let kids take ownership of their learning. And part of the reason is, is the trend to standardize uh, everything. Yeah. So yeah. you have standardized testing and you have uh, pre-written curriculums and all these things that are just handed to the teacher and they tell them this is what you should be teaching. And it's so ridiculous. The fact that like it'll be like to the minute where it's scripted out in like a minute two, this is what you should be saying. At minute 5.7, this is what you should be saying. So when you take away like that, that, that beauty of like, yeah, like we are here and we are all learning together and you take that away, you put something that is like, this is knowledge and this is what you should be taking in. It's, it's hard to get anybody invested. Because not even in the United States, I think like within five years, uh, 50% of the teachers leave the profession. So they, they don't make it past the fifth year, mm-hmm. uh, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I think standardizing is a big part of it. But also when you add uh, the, the achievement gap, which is, you know, you got kids that have been consistently falling behind and... The United States has this thing called the no child left behind, which mm-hmm. means that it doesn't matter if the kid is not at grade level based on all these standards that they are they have set. It doesn't matter if the kid is not at grade level. He still or they still or her, she still has to pass. So I've taught kids that are at a second grade reading level, but they are in seventh grade or in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the kid is going to walk into a classroom and say, like, I don't belong here because they're what they're telling me, like, I don't I don't process it Uh, and not like, you know, like there's not every teacher is going to take that additional step of let me sit down with this kid for an assortment of reasons, because there's multiple kids that also need that support because there's there's multiple reasons to that. But uh, you have kids that are consistently falling behind. And there's like so many gaps that are being unaddressed and you have this standardized thing that like everyone has to hit this standards in order for you to be uh, at great level. It's like, no, bro, like we learn differently. And if, you know, this is a little bit of a visionary, but I think the moment that educational systems realize that it's not about how well you do, but it's about like, hey, what do you like? You like mm-hmm. you like gaming? How do we bring that into the picture? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You like you like art. OK, this is a history class, but we're going to be talking about art. Like, how do, how do you want to present this to the world? And that way, like kids are not deflecting to other things, whether it is video games, whether it is uh, whatever it is. But like that way, you're building that 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 desire to to be in a classroom and that desire and that muscle to just want to learn. OK. Uh, and for example, uh, JP, you in, in, in uh, you as a teacher, for example, when you're teaching these kids um, 
for example, history, yeah? How do you think, like, you're, um, you, you tell me, like, yeah, I, this thing, this standardized thing is bad, and I agree with you a lot. Um, do you think or do you feel that you as a teacher, as an individual teacher, can, uh, like, break a bit the mold or put, like, something from yourself in that educational system to improve that standardized, like, um, boxy type of system? Um, so I think... You know, my classroom is my classroom, so I'm going to do mm -hmm. with it uh, as I please. Uh, within, you know, like I'll, I, I sometimes I got to yeah, bend yeah, the rules course. a little bit or make it seem that like, oh, we're actually doing this that is on the document, mm -hmm. but we're not. We're, we're doing that, mm -hmm. but I'm also adding a second layer to it. So it's more of a how do I, how can I like bend the rules a little bit enough to, to get that real knowledge? Like I don't need okay. my students to repeat Uh, every day. Mm -hmm. I need you to tell me what happened and made the connection to what's happening today. Because, you know, when I think about history, it's not just like, it's not, it's not that. It's not the, 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 the dates that, that are constantly yeah. being asked or like, what is the constitution and the 10 amendments and all this? Like, I don't need you. I need you to, to understand that but i don't need you to mm -hmm. just like run it back to me so i think i try to play a little bit around with the rules and i also like and this has gotten me uh fired a couple times but mm -hmm. I, i i set my line and i say if i don't resonate with something i will say it and i will i will i will voice my disagreement mm -hmm. and you know now as a 31 year old teacher i'm like okay i know that i can't just be going up to my manager and telling like you don't know what you're doing your job is go go do your things right i can't be doing that right i'm gonna do whatever i want no i can't be doing that i have ways that i can talk to my higher ups and try to get them to roll with me so you know it's it's tough because parents also come into play because uh unfortunately there's a big gap between teachers and the people that are telling us what to mm -hmm. teach mm -hmm. uh, but the more educators like me just look at it and say you know what like i love education and and i love to be in a classroom and uh i understand the challenges that all these kids are facing and i understand that to address them we gotta we gotta push back and we gotta we gotta mm -hmm. break those rules a little okay. bit so you know this is my my uh okay Yeah, that's my two cents on this. No, great, uh, but but I wanna I want to uh, go back a bit, and something you mentioned, uh, Lee. But we're we're currently like in a in a really bizarre uh, year, bizarre time. Yeah, uh, no one uh, could have visualized what is happening right now with the COVID uh, pandemic, and so I feel as if education and video games are like at a precise point where they are the most likely to meet because suddenly everything became virtual, right? Yeah. Uh, suddenly uh, it's really hard for people to be in the same classroom because, well, yeah, there's a pandemic. But at the same time, a ton of people are getting to video games because they're locked in, in their homes. And they, um, so, so, so I feel as if, is, as if right now uh, there's a, a big another big challenge apart from making what we have talked about that it's really hard to make a video game and it's really hard to to uh, evolve an educational system and it's really hard to put those together but at the same time there's something also that is really hard and is well now 
there's a challenge that is this uh, like we need to transform the the way people think uh, education uh, like meant before, which is yeah you take notes and you see a whiteboard because you're like in a physical space yeah you're talking in a physical space with a teacher and you're like socially um with more people and now you don't have that so when you bring this exact model into a digital world it's it's not working out and as i was telling you before like jp it's really hard to make uh, students uh pay attention in a when they're just looking at a at a at a computer screen right you're you're taking uh, like uh, is lee here uh, hand up lee is Luis here and when you're talking about this well the last student the number 39th student already is asleep right so i feel as if like with video games you don't have this because there's like i don't know i'm gonna say a, a stupid thing here Luis, please don't slap me but <laughs> for example when people play World of Warcraft, right? You you love World of Warcraft, Luis. But when people yeah. play World of Warcraft, they, they're all in the same space, yeah? It's a digital mm -hmm. space, but they're all in the same space. And in a way, like, it, it, it's, it's the most closely resembling something that could be a classroom, but at the same time, it's something that you can, uh, I don't know, like there's a potential here for something else like yeah let's start like let's not put people in a digital classroom that would be so stupid right like why would you put people in a digital classroom in a square just to sit down and, and, and listen to us a teacher with which is what i feel is happening right now yeah uh so i like i, I don't know i just i just want to hear you like on your opinions on, on this transformation that is happening right now whether we want it or not and where the transformation can and should take place. Uh, and where also, if you can, where also are video games present in all this like for magic formula or something? Mm, um, okay, so I think that's a huge question. Uh, let me try to take a shot at it. So personally, I feel like uh, firstly, a reason why classrooms are beneficial for a teacher is the feedback that the teacher gets. Um, a big part of why we do assessments is so that we can visualize what is going on in our kids' head. Because we can't like kind of crack them open and like see, you know, like their learning progress. We can't do that. So the the the, the thing about games is that um while they might be learning, uh, and I think this is something that we mentioned earlier, like you can be playing uh, Age of Empires, learning a lot about history. You feel like you are learning. But at the same time, from like a teacher's perspective, a parent perspective, how do they know that you're learning? So currently, the, the ways that we measure that would be like, tell me like, well, what do you know? And the, like you verbalize it. Um, I, think, I think that perhaps in order for it to kind of fit into a system where uh, like teachers and schools know that their kids are actually progressing, um, kind of like inbuilt learning trackers is, is required. Uh, within games itself, then as a result, right, you don't have to ensure that um, they're all doing the same thing at the same time because you, you can use kind of like data to, to see their learning progress uh, and to see yeah. like what is missing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like that's what I was talking about with, with JP before. Like there's a, the, the, the video game, the Kerbal Space Program mm. uh, video game. Like, you know, you've understood the the concepts of physics that the game teaches you when you get to the moon, for example, because yeah. if you don't understand the physics concepts, then 
you're not going to be able to land that rock on the moon. You're yeah, just not. Exactly. The rocket's going to explode. So I, I don't know if that's what you're trying to like bring us an example, like a way in which video games could make these kinds of what was before exams, for example, like yeah. into these types of checkpoints yeah. where if you know that if the kid passes his boss or gets to the moon, you know he's got the concept like ingrained in his mind. Yeah. And I think to take it kind of like one step further, right? Because even though like I guess like we all play games. So we we all understand that uh the concept of like you need to be very skilled in order to reach and and overcome the boss level. Uh whereas we realize that there are a group of parents out there, especially like if you look at the age group of kids uh, around like nine, like primary school kids, uh elementary school kids, their parents might not have played games. So then as a result, it's very mm -hmm. hard for them to understand that uh games are beneficial and it can help them learn. Um, because they've never experienced it before. Like, it's just a very foreign mm -hmm. concept. And what they're used to is seeing numbers. So then I think, um, I mean, there are two ways to, to go about it, right? Like, look for the group of parents that believe that games can uh, help <laughs> learning. And, and there's no way you can kind of make sure that everybody uh, buys into this concept. Or it could be kind of like visualizing the learning in a game in a way that they are familiar with. So, so kind of like numbers and statistics and like using research to back up that this is something that is credible. So, so, so I feel like um, there needs to be kind of like another layer uh, in games. It's not just about like the player's experience, but rather visualizing the experience so that teachers and uh, parents will know that they are in the right track. So, so I think that that part is a very big part that is also missing uh, in games. And perhaps if, if we could just visualize like what Age of Empires, I think Creed, uh, uh, is teaching the kids, then that it itself would already like, yeah. oh, this is an educational game. You don't need to make it mm -hmm. educational, right? Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would uh, echo some of what you're saying. I think it is a big question, uh, but definitely like video games in this particular time, I think it's more of a complementary thing where we mm -hmm. don't need to have the video game as the main focus. Uh, mm -hmm. and bringing in that second layer that you speak of would perhaps push it a little further up and making it like, all right, I can rely on this as a more consistent uh, source of, of, of information, source of feedback for me as mm -hmm. a teacher and parents. Uh, but it is challenging. I think for now, like I would, you know, I would love to see like a, Like video games, just not just educational games, but like more like the video games in general, just like breaking away from a lot of like the kind of like the stereotypical games that are out mm -hmm. there where like, you mm -hmm. know, you have the war games that will usually have kind of like mm -hmm. the same, like some Western uh, yeah, uh, art force. Yeah, that. like, you know, uh, give me like. Give me something that that breaks away from that, because I think like the beauty of the of the Sims or or the Oregon Trail or Assassin's Creed or uh, the other games that we mentioned that perhaps are a little Age of Empires, like they they add that that layer. So, and it's not it's very, I think it's very like unbiased to some mm -hmm. extent. Uh, and I like I would love to see like a game on like the Haitian Revolution or something like that, where it's like, hey. We're still like it's still a battle game, but but we're looking at something completely different. That a lot of the work that I do in my classroom is focused on, like, all right, let's let's tell the stories that are not being told. Mm -hmm. Let's learn that history that is not being told. And using Haiti as an example, it's like 
there's this rich history in Haiti. Uh, how about instead of doing another war game about these guys against these other guys that will usually fit the stereotype of like some Middle Eastern, you know, uh, terrorist group that is trying to do something. Instead of having that, how about we, we talk about these whole bunch of other things that have happened without being like, hey, you're going to learn about the Haitian Revolution. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I might, I diverged a little bit, but when we think about that potential, it's like, hey, you know, there's a time to do it. Uh, as we work on the educational games being bumping it up a notch and adding that second layer, there's also, I would push for the gaming industry itself to to try to break away from a lot of these stereotypes. And that ultimately is going to have an impact, I think, mm -hmm. on education. Uh, and there is another question that, that pops into my mind right now, which is, well, we talked a bit that kids are reluctant to learn, but they're not reluctant to game, right? Do you think, as uh, from an educational perspective, like from your perspective, do you think that you could learn something from what the game industry is doing to apply to um, to education? For example, for example, when you game, for example, you you, you don't ace a test, right? You uh, conquer a challenge, or you don't particularly find the right answer. Like on the Sims, you don't find the right answer. You find somebody that is passionate about interior design, another person that is passionate about three D design. Uh, you don't find the right answer, but maybe you conquer the challenge of finding about something, right? So I don't know if you you um, consider that from the educational perspective, uh, teachers could learn something about what games are doing inside games that they could apply to um, to education as a whole. Absolutely, man. I think uh, that that opportunity to repeat, like I, whenever I play, like I gotta do a mission like 2,400 times because I know I'm going to bomb it every single time. And just that opportunity to like, oh, I know that I can make a left here. I got to go right. When you put that in a classroom and the kids like, I, I made a left here and I messed up, but I can actually go right the next time. Uh, that at the end of the day is going gonna, is gonna to get a kid invested because they're like, okay, I made a mistake. I can brush it off and then try again. Uh, and it's not this uh, punitive like, oh, you failed. Here's a zero. You know, nah. Like, you, okay, you, you didn't do great this time. Let's see how you messed up and, 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 and built up from that. So definitely, I think there's a lot. There's a lot that could be taken from the gaming industry into uh, into a classroom. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's something we haven't... Oh, sorry, Lee. What, what, what were oh, you yeah, going to say? Oh, yeah, I actually wanted to add on. Um, I think mm -hmm. I, I have utmost respect uh, for teachers as well as um, for game developers. I think teachers is, is, is really tough uh, uh, to, to handle like um, kids and their emotions, especially teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think for game developers as well, right? Uh, something that I've realized is that I feel like they've mastered the art of like motivating people. So whether it is mm -hmm. through like uh, dangling rewards to make them, uh, mm -hmm. like, like bait them, uh, or it could be like... Uh, kind of like randomly making, giving them surprises. Or it could be telling them like a story without really needing to tell them the story. Um, like it could be kind of dropping hints everywhere. Like maybe you're landed in like a, a, a world where it's abandoned, but they don't need to tell you that it's abandoned. Um, it's just like the signs of like the lack of humans. And, and that makes the person curious, right? Like what, what happened? Like wh where did all the people go? Um, um, and I, I think that's the art of like, 
understanding what like using curiosity to hook people in uh even games like let's say saboteur werewolf it's just a card game it's, it's not even like a visually stimulating game uh, yet people love playing it because they make use of the power of like imagination and so then i think that there are many small things that i guess we could leverage them on uh in the classroom uh and and make use of like the power of imagining like a, a world and kind of like putting them in different roles um kind of like i, I think there's this book yeah. uh, multiplayer classroom uh where they, they pitch the whole class in a in mm-hmm. a quest and and like everyone was just like battling monsters and stuff but it was all in their mind so so i think those are very interesting techniques that game design a uh, game developers use uh to make their games um but and 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 i think those are very good skills like maybe i i mean i would I, I I sometimes try to use it in my conversations as well, kind of like hook people in. Yeah, yeah. So so I think it's <laughs> it's interesting, like game design. Yeah, so many skills. Respect. Yeah. Um, <coughs> there's something I forgot to talk about, because uh, we got so invested in the topic of education and gaming as a whole, but you haven't talked about your game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, uh, if if you could tell us a bit about your game, though, it's called Auto World Save the Animals, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, if you could talk about a bit about your game and also how you're applying like everything we've talked about. How you think you're applying uh, any of the concepts we've talked about in your game, like to to motivate students or to make them more invested in your game or whatever is in your mind or was in your mind when you were creating the game. Mm. Um. So, Auto World uh, Save the Animals is actually part of like the metaverse that we want to build. Uh, which is called Auto World. Um, so in Auto World, uh, how we envision it is that um, instead of learning inside classrooms, uh, you land on a virtual school and you could learn different, many different topics. But instead of opening a door, entering a classroom, uh, you get teleported into virtual games, uh, other games. So Save the Animals is like the first uh, uh, prototype that we have uh, to test out this concept. So uh, in our Save the Animals game, uh, our objective is to see whether or not giving them an epic purpose uh, would motivate them to want to learn something. So in this case, it's about saving animals from the wild uh, and or kind of like releasing them back into the wild from the zoo. Um, mm-hmm. and, okay. and through that, uh, see if like that motivates them to want to, let's say, uh, uh, learn different things. So currently the game is still in alpha stage right now. Uh, I would say there are a lot of ways we can improve the game. Um, but but essentially we have through the game, right? We've seen how like uh this meaning actually motivates kids to really want to save them. So they walk around, they'll see animals, they'll kind of like uh, put them in their backpacks, and then they need to find like the right habitat to put their animals back in. And if you put them in the wrong habitat, the animals die. So this actually oh. is part of uh the curriculum of diversity where uh, you have many different kind of animals that exist out there. They belong in different groups, like you have mammals, uh, insects, um, etc., birds. Uh, and, and it's about learning uh, the, the kind of like the environment that best suits them. Uh. So, so that is the ultimate vision uh, that we have for this game. Uh, and, and it's interesting because uh, it was a pretty simple game, uh, like alpha stage, right? But when the kids see that the animals die, they were like, oh my god, I'm so sad. <laughs> and they even actually have storylines like uh, we ask them so why are you putting the animals from the zoo and rescuing them and putting back into the wild and they say um this this girl i remember she told me like uh because i feel like it's very sad that they're taken away from their family in the wild like how would you feel if uh you got taken away from your family and you have to kind of like be exhibited in a 
place for other people. Yeah, so to her, it's like, a, yeah, she really like animals, and to her, it's like about re-releasing them in the wild. And I think that gave her a lot of meaning, which I, I was really, uh, I really happy to see that that we, nice, we managed yeah, to they're... kind of satisfy that uh, inner purpose within, yeah, through the game. Yeah, they're getting emotionally invested in the game. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, I love. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I I haven't played the game. Um, to tell you the truth, I only no, saw okay. the game. Yeah, I I, I don't know, um, Luis, you haven't talked much. You've been <laughs> really yeah. silent. I don't know if you've got any questions, uh, whether of the game or in particular as a whole of the theme, but um, I don't know, like, uh, could you maybe both of you a, a bit, uh, Luis, because Luis is a is a is an aspiring game developer. He's a software oh. engineer, if I'm not mistaken, Luis? Yeah. Okay. Um, could you maybe both, uh, Luis, uh, talk to me about, like, for example, uh, like Ro uh, Roblox, is it a platform? Um, and you, Lee, uh, did you develop the game? Are you paying somebody to develop the game? Like, how is this working out? Uh, well, I'm not 100% familiar with it. Like, I know it exists and I understand. Well, what I understand, and I might be completely wrong here, is that uh, it's kind of like a sandbox game where people can just create uh, experiences and some other people can access it kind of like dreams on the pl on the on playstation, PlayStation. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, but yeah i like i'm not super familiar with it because uh, i think it's mostly target to kids and <laughs> it's not like my kind of uh thing but mm -hmm. yeah uh, and and uh w one thing we were talking about uh, throughout this uh episode was how difficult it is to develop games, right? Uh, as a game developer, do you mm -hmm. see, um, how can I put this question? Like, do you, like it, developing a game as a whole is hard, right? Getting yeah. the artwork for the game is hard. Like you need artists for the game. You need a musician to make the music for the game. You need a, somewhere, uh, someone to write the code. You need someone to publish the game, to market it. It's like a really hard work. And so we bring a new perspective, which is, hey, now include in all of this the educational aspect. Like, mm -hmm. how would you, like, uh, or what's your opinion on the factability? That's a word in English? I don't know. Factibilidad? Yeah. Uh, 50? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, like, well, yeah. Uh, do, you seem, do you see this as a factible uh, course, like, in the next few years? Like, more developers... Uh, getting into the, uh, into the educational aspect of games or getting to the educational side of gaming mm. or do you see it like really hard because <laughs> we're talking be like realistic. for example yeah like assassin's creed or age of empires yeah. they are made from these really really big studios yeah. so i don't know when we talk about educational games like we need more people to get into this mm -hmm. but people mm -hmm. are small people don't have like unlimited resources so yeah uh well through the all the time i've been silent uh, i've been uh, like thinking a lot about a bunch of the things uh, I've been hearing. And like realistically, I don't see it as a very commercially uh, factible, but uh, I think there's a lot, of, like they've been saying, it's there, it has a lot of potential. Um, the problem I, I see, uh, like you were saying, uh, Juan Pablo, is that uh, I think it, it will be very difficult to market it as a main tool for education. I think it's more of a complementary stuff. So uh, 
selling it as a main mainly education thing it's it's i think i think it's quite difficult uh just in that regard i i i think it's like the biggest the biggest yeah, challenge the biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. yeah uh also like how you you have seen the the way triple a development works it they they play it very safe because the amount of money they invest uh it's huge and not reaching their goals means yes. not only the of course they're mostly interested in getting revenue mm-hmm. to the investors mm-hmm. but at the same time if a game barely makes uh or barely breaks even uh the studio might decide to go into even safer uh mm-hmm. territory which is what has been happening lately mm-hmm. um i think that the educational side of games will fall uh entirely on well not entirely but mostly on indie development developers which mm-hmm. yeah which has been going on for a time uh, a while now um if you really go deep into indies which i'm not <laughs> but i like i consider myself uh, a bit knowledgeable about the the indie space mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of games that have that little uh part where they teach you about uh, diverse things from, uh, I don't know, revolution, like Russian revolution or uh, uh, like the problems with the Middle East or even Mm -hmm. like the Holocaust. Like you can find uh, games or experiences that explore that. But uh, I find it very difficult to to see uh, a big game studio Mm-hmm. doing that just for the sake of education i think mm-hmm. it will continue being just like an afterthought and like it will be great to see these settings uh like historical settings in big games mm-hmm. but at the same time if we consider that like uh lee was saying uh the the side of escapism in games uh i think a lot of people will rather play about uh things that are unlikely to happen in the real world rather than things mm-hmm. that already happened. So, yeah, I don't know. That's like my... But yeah, it's like it's like finding the balance, like uh, what we were mm-hmm. talking about. Because, for example, in an Age of Empires game, <coughs> uh, like there's, for me, it's a, it's a great balance. But it might, it could be maybe more educational, but it's a great balance because like you enjoy it a lot. You enjoy it a lot, yeah. but you can also learn a lot from Age of Empires. Exactly. Like you... You can yeah. learn it with through the, the campaigns. Uh, there's also a game I didn't mention. There's um, a game called Railroad Tycoon, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is like you learn a lot, a mm-hmm. lot about ec- basic e- economic principles, like taking a loan, stocks, mm-hmm. uh, stock mergers, uh, stock dividends. I mean, what? Yeah. Like, for me, that was where I learned about stocks, honestly. So. I think it's finding the balance, but I don't know if if um, Lee can uh, weigh on what I'm about to say. But I I think like uh, y- you mentioned a concept which was like social learning, right? Yeah. I don't know if if I could bring to the table like a new concept. Like it's not necessarily making educational games, like til- uh, titling the game like this is an educational mm-hmm. game, because uh, yeah. that might mean what Luis is talking about. It might not be marketable. Uh, it might be hard to sell to people because they're not looking for that. Li- they're looking for escapism. But maybe analyzing how games can be educational, right? Um, like, 
in a sense like working backwards uh yeah. and it's that's like looking at what uh, games are being created uh looking at what um, games are there 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 are blah, there are already and seeing how you could maybe bring them into the classroom or into educational um, um like uh, educational spaces and for example jp is teaching a, a segment on i don't know um mythology greek mythology or something like that he might he might uh, look into a company that analyzes which games he could use in this segment of his yeah. of his history mm -hmm. teaching class and and the and the company might say to him hey uh, to teach about the roman gods you could use this game uh, in this uh, particular aspect of the game or you could guide your, st your students to play through the age of uh, my, my mythology campaign yeah. Uh, and uh, in these particular episodes or in these particular chapters, you could talk about these particular themes and topics. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking about right now, like to, to find that balance between the two. Hmm. Uh, actually, I do have some thoughts also on uh, some of the previous uh, question that you mentioned on the commercial viability. Um, maybe I could address that before I address this question as well. Um, so actually, with regards to, I think, the the building of games, right? Something that I've realized uh, through game testing and playtesting uh, is that what we expect of games and what kids expect of games is very different. So in mm -hmm. a way, we expect games to kind of have a very rich storyline, very detailed uh, rendering, uh, very, very good uh, kind of like whole experience. Um, but for kids, actually, they don't really care. Like when I see what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when I see what they play, right? I'm just like, uh okay <laughs> but they love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and 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 actually from a game developer perspective it's good because it means that mm -hmm. it, it i mean in, in a way it's like they don't have such high expectations of like how realistic the things have to be yeah, yeah. so so then actually um that actually lowers the the difficulty of building games mm -hmm. that actually satisfy uh kids not saying that it's easy but Less difficult mm -hmm. than satisfying adults, yeah. I would say. <laughs> adults mm -hmm. have high expectations. So, so um, and at the same time, right, uh, on, on I think the idea of purchasing games, the interesting thing about, I think, when you sell to kids is that quite often the person who's paying is not the kids, it's their parents. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. when we come from our perspective, you market to the gamer itself. You market to, like, like 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds, because they have the purchasing power. But when it comes to kids, it's about convincing their parents to pay so that their kids can play it. So uh, then it kind of creates a layer of complexity to it in that it's not just about convincing the kids that it's fun, but convincing to the parents that this is educational. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, maybe packaging it as an educational game to the parents might actually work. But packaging oh, yeah. it to the kids that is an educational game might not work. It won't work. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, Yeah, so it's about, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. so it's about really knowing like uh, what it is. And also I feel like that there has been a trend towards parents looking for educational games. Um, that is something that we realized because I think the trend of COVID is that uh, has caused a lot of kids to be stuck at home. Parents are really just at risk and like their kids are just playing games. And to them it's like any game that is slightly more educational than whatever they're yeah. playing. That is not as violent, like they kill and then there's blood everywhere. It's already like, I, I'm happy, you know, like, and, and it takes up their time, like, I don't need to go and uh, handle them, like babysit them and stuff. So there has been a consumer search, I feel, uh, that 
kind of creates this demand that wasn't there before um, previously. Yeah. That uh, to push for educational games to be created um, because it just really helps parents to alleviate all their mm-hmm. workload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think uh, from an education game perspective, in the past, I think it will be schools, it will be teachers. But now I think that parents are kind of like also investing quite a bit and taking the matters into their own hands because they're at wits and like, they're just like, oh my gosh, like me and my kid every day, 12 hours stuck at home. I cannot take it. Just take them away from yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think there is that pain point that they're facing. Um, um, and so then it creates this huge opportunity. And, and I, I think I'll take this chance to, to encourage like people to, 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 to see this as a, not just like a CSI, you know, it's not, it's not like a, oh, like education deserves like uh, uh, us to, to, to do, but I think it is a potential market that is up and coming. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it could be really big. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I remember when I was little, the magic school bus was like really big yeah. uh, and really marketable to both kids yeah. and parents. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah, today, man. Still today. <laughs> still today. I don't know if today, but I know in my time it was really marketable and it was really big. Like everybody wanted to play the magic school yeah. bus to watch yeah. the television show. But yeah, I think, yeah, uh, you, Lee might have a point. The, 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 we might be seeing a market. Um, for ourselves maybe yeah and yeah we yeah. should be seeing them and i think for yeah, <laughs> i yeah. think that's like our biggest sin uh as grown-ups is that we think that what we consider fun is what the kids will mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fun yeah. as well because when i see kids playing like minecraft i'm like what the hell like <laughs> this looks so boring uh, <laughs> yes but i mean it's it's been successfully used as a yeah. teaching mm-hmm. tool so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're past the hour. I don't know if anyone uh, here wants to say something else or add something else to the episode. Uh, in terms of myself, I asked all the questions I wanted to ask, and I'm really, really thankful for both of you being here, JP <laughs> and Lee. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really glad both of you could be here because uh, both of you have like different the different sides uh, on the same theme, and I think like you both converged on the video game aspect that we were talking about on the episode, like in a great way. So yeah, I thank you for that a lot. I don't know if you want to add something or you want to talk about something else. Uh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm really glad <laughs> for this opportunity to meet like-minded people. Um, uh, really great to meet you, JP, Luis, and, and to talk to you, uh, Juan, from uh, Reddit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to know about this too, Reddit. <laughs> Yeah, Reddit is life, man. People don't believe me, but Reddit is a great yeah. tool to <laughs> to many things. I'm I'm dead serious. Yeah, uh, I would I would agree. Reddit is a great tool, but yeah. uh, I am super grateful for being here. It's been uh, it's been an absolute joy to just just share some thoughts and, and discuss. Uh, and Lee, it's great to meet you. Yeah, Lee, it's great to meet you too. Juan, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I know him for, for <laughs> thanks, a very long thanks, time. JP. And, and yeah. you know, like linking up and connecting even virtually is is a pleasure. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, man. 
Thanks, thanks. And Lee, yeah. uh, I hope I, I've read, as I said before, I've read a ton of your Medium articles, which I find great. Keep on writing, please. Thank you. <laughs> and don't desist on your on your mission. Uh, I know it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, changing education, like, mm -hmm. as, as we talked before, like, the this guy, Sir Ken Robinson, which I really admired, changing education is such a hard thing to do because it's mm -hmm. a mindset that has been established mm -hmm. for so, so long. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think uh, it's really important to touch on these topics, uh, particularly because if we do not, well, the people that are coming behind us, the kids that are coming behind us, are, are going to be the, the ones that are most affected by by our inability to instill or to push this change that I think is really needed. So mm -hmm. uh, good, good luck on your future endeavors, good luck on your startup, and good luck on your educational gaming um, process and educational gaming journey. Lee, and thank you thank for you. being here. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, thank you guys. Yeah, thank nice you to meet everyone. Nice to meet you.